Hello and welcome to the Sandro Forte podcast. Over the many years I've been running a business, I've met many, many successful people, entrepreneurs, sports stars, celebrities, and dare I say, even royalty. So what makes a person successful? Do we know what success is? And the all-important question, can we create success for ourselves? This podcast series invites a diverse group of people to share their insights, their wisdom, and the things they've learned along the way. It's probably safe to say that my next guest is an expert on all aspects of growth, from personal growth to time management and team leading growth, and ultimately to life-changing growth. Paul Casey is a self-leadership strategies coach, speaker, and author. The vision statement of his company, Growing Forward Services, is to kickstart and inspire the leader inside everyone and to make a greater difference in the world. And this is something that is clearly the heart of what he does, both as an individual and as a company. And not just that, he gives 15% of whatever he makes within his business back to the community, which is incredibly commendable. So it gives me great pleasure to introduce from the other side of the pond, and a good morning to him, uh, and an afternoon over here, to Paul Casey. Welcome to the Sandro Forte podcast, Paul. Hello, hello, Sandro. Welcome from eastern side of Washington State, the sunshiny part of the state. I know you're very lucky over there. We, I, I wish we could swap places. So, Paul, you know, you're a fascinating individual. You've come highly recommended. I've been trying to track you down for some considerable time. So let's get into the nitty gritty and find out as much as we can about Paul Casey and your incredible business. So life before growing forward services, what, what experiences, Paul, led you to setting up your company? And what was it that made you want to help others grow? Well, I started out as a fifth grade teacher. So my parents were both teachers. And even though I knew all the downsides of being a teacher, when my parents would come home and talk about uh, problems with students or the principal, uh, I still wanted to be one. And so I pursued that education, became an elementary school teacher. Within two years, my principal saw something in me that I didn't see in myself, some type of leadership quality. And he asked me, at a very young age, I was only 24, and he said, would you be my vice principal? Our school is growing. I need some help. Um, I can't afford to pay a full time, but I can do half time. And maybe we could have you teach physical education for the other half of the day. So <laughs> it was a really interesting combination. I would come in a suit and then I would change into gym clothes for the second half of the day. And then I had impact over 550 students instead of 24. Well, fast forward a little bit further, I moved up to the state of Washington and became an elementary school principal at 26. Again, very young. Everybody was older than me. The parents were older than me. Uh, the teachers were older than me, the, the other administrators, the board members. And um, people would come into my office and say, well, I expected someone much older. And I'm like, thanks. You know, I didn't really know what to say to that. But I... Uh, I really enjoyed that that job, and then from there, bumped over to the church side of things and became sort of like a family pastor. I was I was recruited by a church. They said, "You've got a great educational background. We need help with the parents and the family system because the uh, the children and youth pastors are working with the kids. We need someone to work with the parents." And so that uh, evolved into a job where I started doing CDs and 
um, interviews and e-newsletters. This was all just coming to, to, to bear, you know, at that point, a podcast were just starting at that time, got to experiment with some new technology. Um, it evolved into marriage uh, preparation and that, that was really fun. So along that journey, I learned how to be a, uh, a life coach. And that's what started my uh, launching into Growing Forward Services and opening my business in 2012. Wow. What what a journey. Uh, I, you know, despite all the attempts at research on you, Paul, I didn't know half of that stuff. So thank you for sharing so openly. Paul, in a world where there is you know, this much publicized need for more kindness and compassion. And we all talk about it, but we see very few people actually delivering on it. Your company seems to be, certainly in my mind, the perfect model in, in you know, making a difference in the world uh, rather than just kind of talking about it and, and very much at the heart of everything you do. How exactly, therefore, do you help your clients to make this difference? Yeah, it's super organic for sure. Coaching is very organic. And so I think what I strive to do is to, I don't know what speaker said it once, but it's like, try to find where the person's greatest uh, strengths, greatest values match with the world's greatest needs. And if you can find that intersection of that person's greatest strengths and the world's greatest need, you found a sweet spot for that person. So what I try to do very practically with clients is to get them to first of all say, what happens if you just stay here and you don't grow? Um, maybe that's a little bit more of the negative uh, because most of people will say, well, I'm dissatisfied with that. I don't, I don't want to be the same person I am uh, one year from now that I am today. But then try to go to the positive very quickly and say, well, let's paint a vision for your, for your life just one year from now. How about we start small? What's, what's a vision for your life with all of your relationships functioning well, uh, this desired future? I'm trying to, I'm trying to poke a little bit at their motivation inside. Once they do that, then we very practically can create like a storyboard, you know, like in movies or, or cartoons or video shoots, uh, they come up with a storyboard of these little scenes to get from one place to the other. And I love to do this with clients and just work one scene to the next with little baby steps, little baby steps of growth so that they can keep moving and they feel like I'm making progress here. And then finally, I would say that I enjoy uh, encouraging people. Encouragement is just, man, our, I heard a speaker say that everyone you run into today is encouragement deprived. And I went, wow, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write that one down. I'm going to say that one a lot hmm. because there are not a lot of people giving high fives uh, to people in the world. There's just so much negativity. So I try to be an encourager and give loose accountability. I'm not their boss, you know, but I, I try to give them a loose accountability to explore like, how are you doing? Are we, are we still making progress on that? Oh, we got stalled. Let, let's explore that. So those are some ways to, to get them to that, making a difference in their life. And from there, we just go into time management. Now, one thing, thank you. I, that was a, you've pick, I've picked up loads of stuff already. I'm going to come circle back in a second, if I may, Paul, on a couple of points you've just made. But before I do, I'm fascinated to ask you this question on behalf of lots of people. Um, the thing that us Brits love about the Americans, and I go back to something you said right at the start where you said, seeing something in yourself that others don't, I suppose that's the, the heart of what you do. One of the things that us Brits are deeply envious of the American people is that you do have a natural tendency to see the more positive things in things. We tend to be, generally speaking, uh, you know, a bit more negative. We tend to see, um, 
the challenges and things a little bit more. And I'm I'm generalizing, of, of course, because there'll be shout, people shouting at the uh, at the podcast <laughs> now saying, no, well, that doesn't apply to me. But generally speaking, I think we we accept that as Brits, we find life a little bit more challenging. Um, is it is it part of your culture, your community, or is this something that developed from all of those incredible and diverse experiences that you've had? There, there are clearly some fundamental principles that run through the heart of everything you do, Paul. Where does all this come from? And specifically, I suppose, part B to the question is, if I was coming to you saying, okay, Paul, you know, I'm at a crossroads in my life, or I, I've got this great idea, or I stand for something, but I can't quite get moving in a forward direction. How exactly will you help me grow? So two two questions, and sorry, that was very long-winded. One is, <laughs> uh, is this a cultural thing, this, this amazing approach you have uh, to positive outcomes, or is this something from within? And how exactly do you take somebody through a process? And it's funny because I tease my British friend here. Uh, we're in a small group together, and he has a, a dry sense of humor <laughs> and uh, does approach from that negative side. And it's just hilarious. We have a lot of fun together. But that's just an aside. Uh, growing up, I uh, well, I was in a, I was in a great home, and but my my parents had a lot of fear, and so they really came at things from more of a negative side. So I wouldn't say. That uh, generally we could say that everybody I run into here is uh, has that positive spin on life. I really think a lot of your upbringing and your choices in life lead to that. So somewhere along the line, I just believed that I needed to be a more positive person. I think it was all the readings that I do. I love to read. I read 35 to 40 books a year. And I just keep reading how great leaders look for the positive in their people. And that just sends off a chain reaction for all the people underneath their watch. And so uh, I wanted to do this myself. So I got my first coach myself uh, years ago, probably 15 years ago. I met a guy in a coffee shop and he said, um, he goes, what do you want to be more of, Paul? And I said, well, I want to be a more positive person. And so this guy would actually link the first letter of your first name with a characteristic that you wanted more in your life. So he called me Positive Paul. Hmm. And even though I wasn't completely positive at that moment, he said, by just uh, embodying that, um, you're going to get more of it. So if he were to walk in my office right now, he wouldn't say, hi, Paul. He would say, hey, positive. And literally, he would do that today, even though I haven't seen him in 10 years, because he would give everyone a moniker. And so I really lived into the word that he had chosen for me at that time. And so now... I just try to train leaders to be more positive focused and look for the best, try to give positive reinforcement at work, try to compliment people more. And I just see people coming to life because of that. I love that. I love giving people a moniker. What a great idea. Now, we cannot uh, we cannot conduct a podcast interview with you, Mr. Paul Casey, without talking about a subject that everyone else wants to swerve. So since you are the expert, I'm going to now ask you a few questions around one very important topic for most people that we never talk about, and it's time management. What on earth motivated you to study time management and, and then want to spread it to the world? <laughs> well, again, I was a teacher, so teachers have to be incredibly, educators have to be incredible time managers. I mean, there's recess and all these subjects you have to get in. And so I naturally got driven into that system. But that principal that saw something in me, I went into his office one day and it looked like a bomb had gone off. He had just piles everywhere and he just looked so disorganized. 
and it made me a little nauseous inside. <laughs> so there, there's probably some of your listeners that can relate to this. When you see clutter and disorder, it's like, I want to do something about that. So I came to grips with that that day and I said, can I help you? And he said, sure, take a crack at it. So I, I, he went on a conference and I made everything in little piles like memos. It was the day of memos and uh, reading material and like approvals and financial information. And I came back and I was like, Ta-da, your office is completely organized. Well, he went back to his old ways within two weeks because he had no systems. Mm. But I did find a document that day called the Organized Executive. I don't even know if it still exists. It was a publication about time management hacks. And I just went, I love this. And I, he, he, let, me, he let me have it every single month. And he said, just, just keep utilizing it. And so I just got sharper and sharper with time management habits to the point where people started asking me, like, how do you get so much done? You get like double the stuff done that I do. And I said, well, it's just a series of habits that I put in my life. And so I began documenting those and putting them down. And I developed a seminar off of it. And then I wrote a little mini book on it. And now I have an online course for it. And I just, I just keep filling my file folder with more of these tips to help people with their time management. Gosh. Okay. So there, let's drill this down then even further. If you had two or three keeper tips, let's call them that, for revolutionizing time management, uh, and I'm fascinated to hear this answer just for myself, if no, for no one else, uh, <laughs> what, what would they be, Paul? Yeah, I love nerding out on this. Number one uh, time hack would be pick the first, pick, before you leave work today or before you go to bed today, pick your three top priorities that you want to get done tomorrow and get those really lined up so that today you can call it done. Have a hard stop, have a little bit more work-life balance because you already know what today tomorrow's going to look like. What's cool is your brain works on problems while you sleep. So you get some subconscious benefit from this, which is, I think, why we get some ideas in the shower in the morning. Like, ah, I know why, what I should do. So that's pretty fun. But also you get to work in the morning and you know what your top three are. You don't have to fiddle around with your papers and, and look at your to-do list and go, gosh, what do I start on today? Because you've got that lined up. So you've got those first three. Then I would say front load those into the morning. Don't procrastinate by sprinkling them out throughout the day. Uh, the book uh, by Brian Tracy was called Eat That Frog. And he said, if you had to eat a raw frog today, which would be disgusting, mm -hmm. wouldn't it be better to eat the frog early in the day instead of dreading that task all day long? So uh, his time management principle to avoid procrastination, which we all are, by the way, uh, is to do it as early in the day as possible and bang those out. And it sets off a productivity snowball for the rest of the day where you're going to get way more things done than you would if you would have just bumped those into the afternoon. Because I believe afternoons are runaway trains. I mean, I love that quote. Afternoons are runaway trains because that's when somebody comes into your office and says, I need this by five o'clock. And you're like, oh, shoot. Now I can't get my priorities done. And so it just bumps everything off. A uh, final uh, one I would give you is to make appointments with yourself. In other words, make take all of your tasks, your key priorities, put them into your calendar, literally into your calendar, electronically or paper calendar, as if it was a meeting with someone else. Because we never miss meetings. I would never stand someone up in a coffee shop and go, no, I'm just not going to come today. I would lose friends and clients very quickly if I did that. But why, Sandra, do we do this to ourselves? Why do we just sort of blow off ourselves and go, nah, 
you know, I'm just going to, I'm not going to do that, even though it says to do it on my calendar. If we can obey our calendars after putting stuff on it, we are just going to bang those tasks out and we're going to feel much more productive. Mm. Fantastic. I'm, I'm hastily scribbling notes here. Um, Paul, again, one of the things that we found by uh, checking you out a little bit, uh, I've I've heard the expression restoring sanity to our schedules. So what's your model? I mean, you talked about your colleague who had a disorganized office. We've all got some kind of disorder in our lives or in our schedules. Uh, n- no one uh, more so than me. When things get busy, they tend to get disorganized. What's your model, therefore, for restoring this this sanity, as you call it, to our schedules? Well, I call it the fulcrum framework for focus. I know that's a lot of F words, but they're all positive ones. (laughs) The fulcrum framework for focus. Uh, So that framework, the fulcrum word comes from a speaker years ago. He was completely burned out and he uh, drew a teeter-totter on the, uh, which is a, they're probably illegal nowadays because all our playground equipment has been deemed illegal. Uh, but growing up, a teeter totter where, where you, 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 you sit on one side and the other person goes up in the air and so forth. Uh, so he said, put work on one side, life on the other. And he said, you know, it's impossible to have work-life balance. He goes, I do not believe in that. It's more work-life rhythm. And he said, now picture that triangle, the fulcrum between the two sides of the teeter totter. He said, take that. And what we need to do through life is move that left or right fluidly when uh, like work needs more time, a big deadline for a client possibly, or maybe life needs more time. Like we have a sick child or uh, uh, we are, uh, our parent needs to go into some type of extended care. We just move that back and forth, but we don't ever let it go to that side for too long or the other side suffers. So I'm using that model, that fulcrum model for time management. And in that triangle uh, is my system for focus. So the, the bottom of that of that uh, fulcrum talks about the foundation, setting your vision for your life that I mentioned earlier. So one year from now, what do you want more in your life? And trying to nail that down because that's going to give you the motivation to kick into time management. Because Sandra, let's be honest, you know, time management is simply self-discipline. <laughs> we can yeah. we can put all the systems in the world, but if we bail on those systems, then it doesn't help us one bit. Yeah. So there has to be enough motivation to do that. Then we start uh, going into those tips that I was telling you about, about managing your calendar and setting that up the way you want your ideal week to look. Even though there's crises that pull us off, for the most part, we have control of our calendar. Then from there, I build in these series of daily, weekly, monthly, annual reviews to stay on track. And then finally, we deal with the interruptions, the distractors in our life that try to derail us as we go through our day. I'm uh, I'm trying to piece all of that together, but there's so much information there. Thank you so much. That's great. Um, I'm also going to tackle another subject because I hear from a lot of people, particularly listen to, listeners to this podcast, Paul, who say, you know, I, I find it very difficult to be productive. So when it comes to productivity, how do you find in your experience that most people feel? And I suppose, what are the consequences as a result of, of that in your in your experience? Well, I run into a ton of people who are overwhelmed. That would be the word I would use. They're they're overwhelmed. They they have too many things on their to-do list that can get done in the average day or week. And so they feel defeated. The consequences are this feeling of guilt, like I'm not giving all of my priorities, whether that's my family, my wellness, or my work life, the attention that it needs. 
And so there's almost a, a shame or a guilt that I just can't get it done. And so they're just stabbing at tasks here and there and saying, well, I can bang that one out. That one's sort of easy. And you know, I can, I can run over to my child's school, you know, and, and volunteer there for a little bit. And there's no system for them. And so they, they don't become a different person productive wise from one day to the next, from one year to the next. And it just, they just feel defeated. Mm. How, how does a person therefore sustain productivity? So you get somebody kind of out of the blocks, as it were, but how do they sustain that productivity over the long term so that it leads to life change? Yeah, I would say two things there. One would be accountability, that uh, very few people in life are such self-starters that that they can keep themselves completely accountable on their own. I think people need a coach or a mentor or a friend or an advisory board or a success partner. These are all different words for the same type of accountability that people need to be able to report back to them. Even at work, you could have a stand-up meeting where everyone arrives at eight o'clock in the morning and they go around the room and say, what are your three priorities for today? James, you know, and, and he says his three and he goes over to Jennifer and Jennifer, what are your three top for today? And just by declaring it out loud, um, that, that gives it some power. Uh, the other thing I would say is this series of reviews that you build in for your life at the end of every day, that daily review and preview at the end of every week, a little broader, uh, review and preview. So you look at next week a little bit to stay on track at the end of every month. Uh, and again, this is what I do for a living, but I build in a half day where I look at like, where am I at with my goals? Where am I at with my priorities? Am I on track or do I need to stick more stuff into my calendar? And then annually, I also do uh, like two full days around the 31st of the year where I uh, make sure that next year is going to look different than this year. So positive, Paul. Um, <laughs> tell me about your, uh, your well, we can call you philanthropic, Paul, as well, can't we? Because um, tell me about your radio and social media inspirational growth messages. A lot of people won't know about those, but we'll talk about those for a second because I think they're very important. Tell me about those. Yeah, so I am in a small market here in my, uh, my area called the Tri-Cities of Eastern Washington. And so I was able to find a radio producer who was in a leadership class that I was in. And he told me about his need for educational programming that the station had to have. And I said, I would love to be on the radio. This is like 15 years ago now, maybe, maybe 12 years ago. And, and he said, we would love to have you on. I go, how much does it cost? He goes, no, we, we have to provide this for our listeners. So you would fit right in line with our goals. And then we could fit in line with yours. I said, great, sign me up. So I started doing a series of four radio spots every month, two on leadership called Out in Front, and then two on personal growth called Growing Forward, which is the name of my business. And I've been doing that for like 12 years. I, all these one minute radio spots. And I haven't gotten a ton of business from it, uh, to be transparent, but I do have people come up in this community and go, hey, are you the guy in the radio? I recognize your voice or boy, that just gives me the little jump start that I need every day uh, to keep going. So that has been really fun. And your company, to, to follow on from that, your company gives 15% of what it makes back to the community, which is, as I said at the start of the show, really, really commendable. Why is it, therefore, that um, more people or companies aren't doing this? Uh, should they do it? And why is it important to you? 
Yeah, well, I'll start with me. So my my faith is very important to me. So I believe all all the good things in my life come from God, and so I be, I believe that I'm blessed to be a blessing to other people. And and so if I have anything good that comes into my life, I just want to be a a conduit uh, of God's love back to the world. So that's that's sort of the driving focus and why I do that. And I and it does boomerang back. I don't do it for that reason, but it does boomerang back on me because when you give, it just it just seems to flow back into your life. But to the company point, that you, the question that you asked, I think it's important for every company to have the social responsibility to give back because the, the the community is giving business to you. So it's like a thank you, like a customer appreciation, but it's more of a a community appreciation when you give back and maybe some companies pick one nonprofit that they will invest in, or maybe they do a spattering of days throughout the year. I think it's powerful team building when a company says today, we're all going to put on our, our grubby clothes and we are going to go volunteer at the food kitchen together or adopt a highway, you know, and pick up trash on the freeway together. There's just some power in saying this is on paid time. That, that we are going to do this together. Uh, some companies also allow their employees to do paid time to their volunteer organization of choice, which I think is cool too. So then everybody can go where their heart breaks and say, I want to give my time to them. And the company says, great, you've got X number of hours every quarter uh, paid time to volunteer. So a lot of different ways it can be done, but uh, I just see lots of joy in people's faces when they get to volunteer to their nonprofit of choice. Well, good for you, Paul. Um, it's a shame there aren't more people like you, um, but hopefully that will change as a result of hearing this message. Growing forward, how and, and of course, Paul Casey, uh, the leader of this business, how do we find out more about you? Social media presence, website, uh, is there a book or anything else like that sitting in the background that we need to know about? Sure. So uh, probably the easiest way is to go to paulcasey.org. Uh, don't go to paulcasey.com because I think he's a British golfer. He is. And, uh, he is a British he's golfer. Pretty good. He's pretty good. So, but he got the .com, so don't go there. Uh, you'll just get golfing pictures. And I'm a, I'm a hacker for golfers, <laughs> so I'm not very good. So, okay, <laughs> noted. And, that, and that's Casey, C-A-S-E-Y, right? You got it. Yep. And uh, I've written four little mini books, um, two on team leadership, uh, one about vision and team leadership, one about time management called Ma- Maximizing Every Minute and one called the static cling principle of what you attach to your life alters your future. So you'll see uh, materials on there, um, information on my video course, which will be soon to be released on Time Manager called Restoring My Sanity. So that one will open up here in a few weeks. Uh, That's probably the best way to get in touch. And yes, I'm on all the Facebook, I'm on LinkedIn, Facebook, uh, Twitter, and all those others. Terrific. Prepare for lots of connections to be made. and the final question, Paul, since time unfortunately is against us, um, if I let's imagine I was a I was a younger version of you, I'm probably an older version of you actually, but let's imagine I was a younger version of you, and I came to you and said, Dad, um, with all that you've learned in your life in business, the the highs and the lows, the goods and the bads, the failures and the successes, with all that you have learned along the way, what single piece of advice, if you could drill it all down and give it me in one or two lines or a single sentence? What would that piece of advice give to you give to Paul Casey Jr.? Boy, I would say speak up. Uh, take courage and speak up. Don't. I was, I was very shy. I mean, it's amazing that I'm a speaker nowadays because <laughs> if you have seen me back then, you would have said this guy is a shy guy in the corner. 
uh, good student and all, you know, and I, I played soccer, um, uh, your football, sorry. And uh, <laughs> that, was my, that was my game, but very quiet. And I did not speak up. I, the influence I could have had as a teenager and a young adult, I feel was squandered because I just played it safe and I didn't take that courage and step out. That's a good answer. And and one we've not had from anyone, I don't think, in the 80, nearly 90 podcasts that we've run now. So uh, good answer and a very good way to finish up this podcast. Uh, Paul, I wish we could go on speaking to you for another half an hour, but alas, we do try to restrict these uh, these podcasts to make sure that people listen into them while they're commuting to make it just a bit easier. But what I can say is it's been a, an absolute genuine joy speaking to you today. So many great positive things to take away from this podcast. So, uh, you know, I know you're busy and I know times are challenging for us all at the moment, but thank you so much on behalf of the very many people listening for sharing so many pearls of wisdom, insights, uh, and giving us some directions, some things to think about, particularly on the philanthropic side. So long may you continue to do everything you're doing, and we hope to see a lot more of you in the fo- in the future. It is an honour and pleasure and keep growing forward. We absolutely will. So to positive Paul, philanthropic Paul, or whatever you'd like to call him, but all those great positive things, I have to thank him for joining us on the Sandro Forte podcast. Wasn't he absolutely inspirational? Don't forget every week we have a new guest joining us to share their own insights into achieving success or indeed overcoming life's challenges. Please make sure you subscribe, follow us on social media, that's Sandro's podcast with an S, same on all channels. And remember to keep the emails coming, hello at sandrospodcast.com and the iTunes reviews, which are very, very important so we know what kind of guests you'd like for the future. Until we invite another guest onto the show this time next week, goodbye for now, stay safe and see you soon. 